Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fedotin with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I discussed the weeks leading up to training camp, which is just around the corner. Joe Chiefs, the Chiefs rookies, they report on July 22nd, and then the veterans on July 26th. Uh, so not far away, but and they'll take us through what players are thinking, what they're doing to, uh, to get ready for camp at this stage. Well, you know, Jeff, I think, well, number one, for the Chiefs in particular, it's a little bit different than when I was playing or, you know, even, even through the early two thousands, right? Mm-hmm. Like not that, not that long ago. Um, how, you know, the chiefs camp is obviously closer to home. Um, you know, a lot of chiefs fans may or may not remember that back in the day, you know, we used to go, the chiefs used to go to training camp pretty far from home. We used to go to river falls, Wisconsin. We did that for quite a long time. The and I know we, league, right? The cheese the old league. Chief, I still have the t-shirts one of these days <laughs> for our podcast. I'll have to break it out. Maybe we'll post a picture of it on online or something, but you know, we used to head up to Wisconsin and river falls and you know, it was, it was training camp. Like it was the training camp that you thought of if you were to have pictured an NFL, you know, old school way of getting ready for a season, six weeks away from home in dorm rooms, um, you know, away from your family, very, very little time to see your family, unless they could somehow make the seven or eight hour trek up to River Falls, or maybe you'd catch them for a quick visit or meal on a home preseason game, because we used to leave right after mm-hmm. the preseason games at home and go right back to training camp. If you had a house, maybe you could stop by, say hello, have a quick meal, and then it was back to River Falls. So Training camp was a lot different back then. And, you know, it was full pad, two a days, sometimes three a days because we would do special teams at night. Um, we would meet until eight, nine o'clock at night. We were up at 6 a.m. They're banging on your door, giving you the wake up call. And, um, you know, you you almost for lack of better terms, Jeff, you almost got out of you got out of shape at training camp, if that makes sense. Like you would go into this training camp, you know, after having done your off-season workouts in Kansas City, you know, three, four, five days a week, lifting, running, field work. And you went into training camp in incredible shape. And it was almost like you got out of shape at training camp. Because um, you were just so, so beaten down, kind of? You were so beat up and so beat down and so many practices. And you really didn't feel like lifting weights after doing a two-a-day or sometimes a three-a-day. Like, you just you just got out of shape. And it's not like – see, it was it's, it's always these swings, right? So, like, if you, if you think back to the training camps of the 60s and 70s and maybe the early to mid-80s, okay, now we're going back, you know, almost 50 years, mm-hmm. like, those training camps – you went into training camp to get in shape. Right. So, so like a lot of those players, you have to remember in the, in the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, even the early eighties, a lot of those players worked in the off season. They did jobs that were, um, you know, I, for lack of better term, seasonal, you know, you had players like, you know, who would sell cars or they would sell building materials or, they would do things that they could pick up and do when the season was starting and ending. 
Um, you know, Len Dawson obviously was a full-time broadcaster, you know, during his days, even as the star quarterback, he needed mm. to, to have that job to make additional income. So there was that swing, right? There was the swing from football becoming a full-time job and going, and those players used to go to training camp to get in shape. They were totally out of shape. They were like just partying in the off season, hanging out, working, doing something different. And then all of a sudden they go to training camp and it's like, oh yeah, this whole football thing, right? We have to practice and, and, and get, get in shape. And then, and then you went the opposite direction where when I was playing and then through the early 2000s, you were in this most incredible shape and then you got out of shape at training camp. And it was like, you were looking forward to the season. Like, please, dear Lord, dear Lord, can this training camp please end? Like, I want to go hit somebody else. (laughs) No, I want to go play in our division. I want to, I want to get out of, you know, practicing against the cheese league teams. And a lot of teams used to do that back then. Um, Now, I mean, God, Jeff, you know, you and I were talking before we started recording. I mean, you look at the, the camp schedule, which now is published, and it's like one practice a day and some meetings. They're close to home. I'm sure there's more downtime. It has changed. It has changed a lot. And, and I'm, I'm, the hope is that you get a better product out on the field. But the other issue that you and I have talked about many, many times is that you hope that the first four weeks of the season don't become the new training camp. I just don't know if there's a happy medium somewhere right. where, where camp can be just a tad more competitive, a tad more contact and a tad more hitting so that when you hit September 1st or whenever the opening kickoff is, you're like, you're ready to play as opposed to, oh, now it's hitting time and timing time. And, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely gone cyclical over those. Those are three generations I just went through of, of, of what players are thinking about this time. And, you know, this time of the year, you know, when I was playing, Jeff, all I was thinking about was seeing my family as much as I could, Uh because, you know, whether it was coming home to Philadelphia and spending time with my parents and my in-laws and my family and trying to, to savor some summertime, you know, time together, barbecues and different things like that before, like I was gone, right. Six weeks in absentia, gone, (laughs) you know, don't even bother calling him on the phone because he's probably going to talk to you for two minutes because he wants to sleep. I mean, that's how tiring training camp right. was. And, you know, you, you know, you go from, you know, just worrying about spending time with your family to that. And, you know, there was a lot of anxiety. You know, there was a lot of anxiety that came with it. You, did, you never knew where you really stood. Um, you know, they kept things a mystery. Um, there was no social media to, you know, understand what coaches were thinking and what moves were being made and all those different things. You kind of just like as a player, you just kind of played. And there was a lot of anxiety at this time of year um, getting ready for that time away uh, and, 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 and wondering, you know, am I going to be on the 53 man roster? You know, there was a lot less guarantees back then for sure. You know, in this day and age, as you're talking about the different eras and, and cycles, is it, would you recommend uh, kind of players spending the last few weeks of July here before training camp working hard, resting in between? You know, because it was interesting, George Karloftis during mini camp was asked how he's going to spend his time off until training camp. And he said, oh, I'm just going to be training as hard as I can. That's it. You know, part of that is the narrative of that's Karloftis. He's a guy who had a relentless motor. Part of it's also a little bit of bluster that that's what you say to the media. You're sure. 
your hall, your your 110%. So Joe, what is, what is kind of players now? Should they be spending this these couple of weeks just kind of resting, working out, what something in between? What what's your what's your take? Uh, that's a great question, Jeff. I, I, and I, I'm I'm kind of in the George Karloftis camp. I, I think you should hit it. I think you should hit it hard for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's your job, and you know, number two is you need that time to stay in shape because it's not like the rest that I would have needed back in the '90s. Um, mm-hmm. Because you needed that, like we weren't really even allowed to work out for the like the last three or four days before camp, like they didn't want us doing anything because they knew that you needed your body to be ready for the onslaught that was coming. Right. That was a Marty Schottenheimer two a day, six week training camp away from home. Like you needed every, you wanted to bank every single second of rest prior to that. Now we hit it hard up until then because you didn't want to go into training camp out of shape for sure. Um, but you definitely did need to dial it back a little bit. I, I think these players today, it never really ends because uh, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to come up with a cliche here. And I just made this up as we're talking it, it, it never really ends because it never really begins, <laughs> right? That, that sort of training camp never really starts because mm-hmm. it's really training camp today is it's really just a, it's a continuation really of the OTAs yeah, and, yeah. and it's really all it is. I mean, not granted you have pads on and they do hit. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're going to, they're going to have some contact. You can't go into your first game of an NFL season without hitting a little bit, but cause you want to at least get the t- some of the timing down, but you know, it just never really begins for these players. So they can't let it end. They have to keep going and going and going because the season is so different and, the off season and preseason are so different today than they ever were because of the way they want to protect the bodies and they want to protect the cap. It's all about the cap, right? It's all about how do I, it's risk management, right? It's, it's, it's total risk management, right? I'm in the business of insurance and risk management these days. So I can kind of, I can relate. It's all about keeping your assets out on the field as long as you possibly can given the financial strains that NFL teams are under and how it's gotten even further, you know, there's a further disparity now between what I would call the haves and the have nots, right? Not that a making, you know, a a league minimum of an NFL rookie is a have not, but you know what I mean? Just in in relative terms, you know, you've got these players, you know, you've got 20% of the players probably making 80% of the cap money. So if you lose two, three p- players at a certain position group, it's almost like, like you're sunk. You know, yeah. you've got to do you imagine something. for the Chiefs if they lose Mahomes, Chris Jones, and Kelsey. I mean, what, what that, we're done. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Right? Because they've got literally have twenty percent of their players making eighty percent of the cap. Where back in the eighties and nineties and early two thousands, there was a little bit more. Maybe you only had you know, maybe you had 40% of the players mm-hmm. making, you know, 60% of the cap where there was, there was a chance for a, a backup, you know, to keep a backup around who was maybe not a full-time starter, but could provide some depth. And if you lost the starter, they could move right in and you almost didn't miss a beat. Right. And now today, so much is put on the stars and their ability to be out on the field that, you know, I don't blame, listen, I don't, 
I'm, I would love to play today. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I'm not one of those old veterans that goes, Oh, these young whippersnappers, you know, they, what are they don't, they don't know what camp was like. Cause when I went to school, I walked to, I walked <laughs> uphill both ways in the snow when I was in elementary school. Like I'm not one of those old guys, but I, I would love to have played today. God to have, to have been able to sustain my workouts through camp and into the season without really beating my body up only on Sundays. Holy smokes. Like, what a great way to, you know, have an athletic life, you know, professional athletic life. I mean, it would be fantastic. So I don't, I don't lament them or I don't begrudge them what they're going through. I, like I said, I'm not one of those old curmudgeon players that says, oh, they have no idea what it was like when I played, you know, God, I'd love to be them today. Um, but at the same time, you know, I totally, and I do totally get where management and coaches and, and NFL owners and capologists and everybody that's involved in that process of, you know, managing a roster. I get it, man. I get why they, they don't want Chris Jones taking, getting beat up on goal line and short yardage in up in river falls, Wisconsin, you know, on a Tuesday, eight weeks before the season starts, the, the, the athletes are too fine tuned today. And, and so I totally get it because, you know, he twists an ankle, you know, on some random training camp to a day, crazy drill that the coaches are doing because that's the way football was supposed to be played. And your season's now over and Lombardi trophy, you know, slips away. It's just, that's just the way the game is today. So I, you know, I totally don't begrudge or, or, or think differently about, the way that owners have to, to manage that because it, it is a management process these days. It's all about risk. Great insight there, Joe. Well, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's Wimbledon Finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, Joe, so we talked about the, the dates for training camp this year. Uh, the Chiefs, of course, uh, released a while ago uh, the dates for the training camp practices that are open to the public. And, uh, and I'll just give the dates for some of them. Yeah, you'll get the point. But Wednesday, July 27th, first open practice, 9.15 a.m. Thursday, July 28th, one practice, 9.15. Friday, July 29th, practice, 9.15. Saturday, July 30th, practice, 9.15. Sunday, July 31st, no practice. Monday, August 1st, practice, 9.15 a.m., I'm not going to continue doing this. This isn't exactly <laughs> great audio for our listeners here, but this is the, the schedule as it goes. One practice pretty much at 9.15 a.m. No two-a-days as we go through the first preseason game, August 13th, and then uh, training camp wrap, uh, breaking, wrapping up on August 18th. Joe, I can't, you know, one practice a day, 9.15, the, the final practice before it breaks uh, for camp breaks on August 18th is 8:15, but every other one is 9:15. Just one. Pr- I mean, that's that schedule, man. You were talking about how it's changing. That really, when I actually looked at the schedule, that really is illustrate no practices and even in kind of light uh, a late start to the to the day. It's it's a different world. Yeah, it really is, Jeff. And I one thing I would suggest 
to listeners, uh, you know, if you do get a chance and you're really a fan and you want to see and get some insight, go to training camp. I, I, I just think it's such a great experience for fans to be number one, closer to the action than you might be at Arrowhead. Um, a chance to see the players. It's, it's, if, if there's anybody who's a, who's a golf fan or who's ever been to a major tournament and has been to the practice rounds, you just see the players in a completely different light. You know, you're seeing them um, focused, yes, because they're at camp and they're trying to get themselves ready for the season. But there's definitely going to be a difference than trying to get a player's attention on game day. You know, and a great chance, Joe. You know, you said you can get a player's attention. They have. They also in that schedule. I I so interestingly re- read off. They also had in you know, the autograph sessions with the players. They they designated certain players, certain position groups. Um, I'm sure you even did that back, back in your, your day, uh, with the fans. So, yeah. And it's fun. It's fun way to interact with players, you know, get out there and see them, watch the coaching that happens on the field. Listen. Um, it'll give you better insights into watching the games, whether you're at Arrowhead and you're lucky enough to be there and watch it live or whether you're watching the games on television. Um, you just get a different insight when you hear the coaching. I, I did that once with a sport that I was not, you know, I'm relatively familiar with because I watched a lot of ice hockey growing up, you know, as a Philadelphia Flyers fan. And, but I had never been to a Flyers game until I was in college. Um, Mm. And, and I'd never been to a live hockey game. So I started to really become a fan of the sport of ice hockey, um, especially after I saw it, because number one, I don't think is okay. Especially if you're a TV fan, if you're not lucky enough to have tickets to get to Arrowhead to see the game, um, you, you have no idea unless you go see something live, how fast it really is. And I think football's a sport like that, but hockey's even a sport that's even more like that. Like you have no idea how fast hockey players are on skates, on ice, going as fast as they are and hitting as hard as they do until you actually go to a game. But what really Jeff did it for me was not just going to a game. I was lucky enough to go to a flyers practice. Uh, the Philadelphia flyers have open practices all throughout mm-hmm. the season. And you were literally able to stand against the wall, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the glass, right. And the plexiglass and watch practice and hear the coaching, watch them go through certain drills, that then you could translate to when, oh yeah, like that shooting drill. I remember seeing that drill um, when I was at a, when I was at an ice hockey practice and then I watched the player do that in a game. And I know now I know why they did that drill for muscle memory and different things like that. So it just, it opened my eyes. Like it was like a revelation of how different the game is once I knew the inner workings of it and what, what gets practiced and what gets repetitions and wh- how, what players get yelled at and why they get yelled at, you know, on the field. So I would totally long, long answer to a short question. I would totally recommend heading to see a, a training camp practice. If you can, I think it'll open your eyes to the way football is played and it will give you such neat insights into the game, whether you watch it on television or whether you're actually at Arrowhead to seeing how things translate from practice to the field and how the repetition, repetition, repetition happens, especially for positions like the O-line and D-line and the route running that receivers do and the ball and the handoffs that, that running backs you know, do. And to watch the drills that they do on the field during practice, hoping that those drills will translate to what happens on the field. Right. Having, I, you know, just, I, I know for, for, you know, from that perspective, because of coaching football for so many years at the high school level, 
but like, you know, even things as, as silly as like when running backs go through, um, they'll, they'll have either these, um, shoots set up with these, these rubber things that like, will bam, 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 bam. And they'll hit, they'll hit the player as they're running through or they'll get and a gauntlet thing. They the have gauntlet you know, thing. Good, yeah. good to prevent like fumbles. Cause it's, yeah. You know, yeah. When the guy's reaching in. Basically. Yeah. Or like, or sometimes they'll just, it, it can be as simple as a drills of, of getting a neat, you know, they'll, they'll have these pads that they'll whack the running back. Right, with as right, running. Right. And like just those silly little drills that you hope are going to translate to some kind of a muscle memory when you're out on the field, you know? And, and I just think, I just think it's so much fun to watch at training camp and to hear and to see, because, you know, football, football stadiums, you know, especially places like Arrowhead, they're so darn loud. Um, it's, it's almost like for lack of better terms, and, and this is probably the wrong term to use, but it's, it's sterile almost, right? right? Because all you hear is that you just hear like, like the crowd just going, Rah. you can't hear Andy yelling at a player or coaching a player. You can't hear the quarterback, you know, kind of like coaching a route or, mm-hmm. you know, like sometimes you can barely hear the signals at a stadium. Now, granted, when you're on television, sometimes they'll mic people up and you can hear some of those things and you do get some of those insights. But um, I just think I just think it's so cool um, that the, the training camp is open and that you can go and watch. And I would just totally recommend it if you can, if you can break away, play hooky from work or whatever. And, you know, if it's during the week or get it on a weekend or something, um, just go see it, check it out. It, 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 if you're a football fan, even if you're not a huge fan, it will change your perspective on. You on can the- also really see kind of their personalities. You know, that's when the guys can joke a little bit more. You can see Holmes and Kelsey kind of giving each other crap. I mean, they're very businesslike. You know, also, I mean, you get to see Mahomes and all his, you know, he'll, Mahomes will do something every game where you're like, wow, I, <laughs> you just yeah. can't believe it. And it's, it's so incredibly unique, but he's doing that a lot at training camp and in experimenting with things to see kind of what he can get away with. Um, I equated to the last time I was uh, at training camp every day covering for a team is actually uh, Aaron Rodgers' rookie year. Brett Favre was still on the team, and you got to see, you know, Brett Favre just kind of BSing with the guys and his unique arm talent. Um, and, and, Joe, that's what I was going to say, too, that for the players, it's incredibly different. Uh, from my perspective, uh, when I was I was then – I was the uh, main writer for Packers.com, so covering the team for the team, but it's very different from even a media perspective, and and what the media goes through is not nearly as arduous as what you guys had to do, no comparison, but, you know, I, I actually became a, a much better, more efficient writer because I, we, you have two main practices you got to watch and cover, and, and then all the, the interviews just carving out a time to crank out your stories, you can become a really efficient writer. So just that's why it seeing that schedule, not only the one practice day, but like 9.15, you know, you yeah. sleep in a little bit almost if, you, if you're if um, you uh, the media. It's just a, it's a very, it's a different world. Like you said, it's really, it, it's, it's full contact pads, unlike OTAs, but it really is kind of a continuation of, OTAs, you know. Yeah, yeah. You became a you became an efficient writer because you had to squeeze it in. We became efficient nappers because you had to like you had to squeeze in a nap. Like I could fall asleep on the bus going from like we used to have these shuttle buses that used to take us from the field at the football stadium at River Falls at the University of Wisconsin River Falls, and it was like maybe a 10, 8 minute 
a shuttle ride to the dorms and I could take a nap in eight minutes, like <laughs> a power nap. Like you, you just, I became an efficient sleeper, like just trying to catch up on, you know, on that. And it's, and you're right, Jeff, it is, it is arduous. I mean, my, one of my favorite training camp stories is, is, and, and, and maybe, maybe this would be better told during training camp, but since we're, we're on the topic is, you know, I remember doing something when I was, you know, working for channel nine and, you know, because I was good friends with all the producers and, and all the people in, 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 in KNBC's, uh, stable of reporters and whatnot. I remember they, they wanted to meet up with me and I gave them and, and got, of course, permission from the chiefs, but gave them a tour of, of our training camp facilities. Uh-huh. And I was walking, uh, walking people around. They said, well, yeah, I think the one place everybody's really interested is they, they want to see your accommodations. You know, they want to see where you stay. Right. So I took them into my dorm room and it was a dorm room. It was a cinder block brick style dormitory, four floors, you know, just like a typical college brick dorm built probably in the 80s right it was nothing to write home about cinder block painted cinder blocks on the inside square it had uh two beds that they pushed together to make a king size bed so they pushed two queen two twins together to make a king we had a dresser a television and um an air conditioner and a phone a chief's phone they used to give us a phone that had the chief's logo on it that was all we had in our room. That was it. The TV, the air conditioner, were those things you brought were already there? They were provided. They, they were provided. So I was going to ask you what, as you're going through this tour, what were like a couple of the things that you that you brought with you, you know, to, to make sure I, uh, for, for your long stay in training camp? Not a lot, buddy. Not a lot. <laughs> uh, a pair of jeans, uh, you know, and a, and a polo shirt for plane trips. Because back when I was playing, the only requirement that Marty had was no shorts and a collared shirt. Uh-huh. So, you know, generally the linemen were a pair of jeans or maybe a pair of khakis, but I'd wore mostly jeans, uh, jeans and a polo shirt. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, I, I don't even think I ever wore like a full button down. It was just a polo shirt, a golf shirt. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and that was Dave and I, that was Dave Zott and I's uniform. And we sat next to each other for the six years we were together on every plane trip. And, um, you know, we used to always laugh because sometimes we'd wear the same polo shirt because it was like, you know, it was a gift from like, if you remember Zarda barbecue or oh, sure. like yeah, yeah. We, we would have these like free polo shirts, you know, from like a local business or something that we would be wearing. And one time Dave and I wore our Zarda barbecue shirts on a trip and we were both sitting next to each other on the plane. But like literally like that, I probably like, not look more like an offense line, a big guy wearing a Zarda polo shirt for your for your dress that attire. was that was it buddy and and so like you know you and we would wear we'd bring like uh sweatpants for a chilly night we would wear um you know uh i would bring a, a bunch of shorts and a bunch of t-shirts and a pair of flip-flops and that was pretty much all I, and a toothbrush was pretty much all i packed for training camp it was a very very small pack for a long even though we were there for six weeks um, it was a very, very, and they did, you know, they would do our laundry for us and, you know, you could throw stuff in the, in, in the laundry and they would do that for us since we were, were away for six weeks. Um, and that was it, that was it, bud. Like that was, it. it's all we packed. And, and, and so we were, um, I was showing the people from channel nine, my room and they were filming uh-huh. it. And I was saying, well, here's, you know, here's my twin beds. They pushed together and here's the phone. I call my wife on every night and here's my air conditioner that at least twice during training camp would freeze up because I would have it <laughs> literally, they, our air conditioners would run 24 seven, no matter if it was 60 degrees out or 90, we just, I let, I wanted it cold when I got into the room. So our air conditioners ran, they would freeze up basically like at least <laughs> twice during training camp. And I'll never forget George Brett. I ran into George Brett at the airport 
and you know and he, he comes up to me and he says hey joe and i was like first of all i was like holy crap it's george brett like because you know i was a phillies fan and we get that 85 world series and you know that whole that whole nine yards um or no it was the 80 world 80, series 80, 80 world series and so um you know so of course i was a huge george brett fan and george brett's talking to me like what the heck's going on here so he's like joe he goes i gotta tell you man i saw that story on channel nine about your training camp room. And he goes, I'm gonna tell you something. He goes, if we had those accommodations when we went to spring training every year, he goes, I'd have quit baseball 10 years early. <laughs> Cause you know, that was always, that was always the story of like baseball players going to training camp or they don't even call it training camp. They call it spring, spring camp, training. Yeah. Right. And like, I've been down to Clearwater where the Phillies go and I've been to Dodger town where in Vero beach, where the, where the Dodgers used to go. And like the players rent these big houses on the beach and, you know, they, they eat out every night. Like, I was like, Oh my God, like we were eating cafeteria food, you know? Um, and we were sleeping in dorms on two twin beds pushed together. And, uh, you know, the only luxury we had was, was a, a, a television with, with pretty decent cable. Like that was it. <laughs> like, so, um, and I never had to bring an alarm clock cause they woke you up. There was always, <laughs> there was always somebody coming around to wake you up. Now, you, you know, you'd bring one maybe for like your afternoon nap or something, but you know, that was, it was pretty, it was a pretty, remember Jeff, no technology back then. Now some players did bring video games and mm-hmm. they would have video games in the lounge and they would have like, you know, play tech mobile or things like that. So of course everybody wanted to be Christian Koye. Uh, <laughs> But like, yeah, that was it. It was pretty, it was pretty, it was pretty low key. And, and it was pretty, uh, we were roughing it for, you know, for lack of better terms. Well, I, I bet George Brett would be able to better handle um, the conditions that NFL players go through during these training camps. Nowadays. Totally, totally, Jeff. <laughs> well, if you enjoy this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe. We're available on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.